This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Man, that was a pain in the ass getting started. I mean, you start out and you're like, all right, let's get going on the Skype call. And the call recorder doesn't work. I'm like, ah, man, and, and that's how we're doing XM also these days. So I was like, I'm screwed. Like, I'm, I'm totally screwed. But luckily, uh, your wife was on the case and figured it out. Yeah, at least you made me wait, not some uh, important guest for the XM show upcoming. But yeah, I asked him, like, not only is this a problem for our pod, but you're upcoming. That's how you do I didn't realize that's how you do the, the radio show. But yeah, that was a... Now it is. It's not how we used to do it. Right, of course. We searched everywhere, couldn't find a solution, and apparently Carly, my wife, just went on Twitter and gave me a solution right away, and you had to go a couple extra steps. But we have the issue solved. It doesn't matter if you need an abbreviated uh, pod this week, list. Uh, it's kind of a, I don't know, we, we remain in a holding pattern. Uh, did you have anything, you know, immediately on your mind anyway? What's going on, man? Well, I want to say something about this whole thing where Carly found it on Twitter, and, uh, and I also found it on Twitter, which is that... Um, the web is kind of a cesspool, right? Like you, you duck that go something or search for it. Like there's just so much paid advertising stuff from four years ago. It, it, it starts to like, it'll rank things from like CNET, how to record on Skype really high. And it's not relevant to anything you want. The web is a cesspool. You can't find anything anymore. It's like there's how, how often when you do a search, I mean, I'll go to like pro football reference for writing articles a lot and I'll go to sites that I know. But if you don't know what you're looking for and you search, like how often do you come up empty? Yeah, more and more. You're right. And you think it'd be the opposite would be true. There'd be more and more information out there. But I don't know what if there's a reason behind that, that's uh, there's regulations or what. But yeah, I guess Twitter is the way to search for information these days. I guess that's just the answer. Well, there's this thing. I think it's called Urbit or something like that. I can't remember what it's called. There's this thing that I listened to on this uh, podcast, Tales from the Crypt. It's a Bitcoin podcast. And they were interviewing this guy that started, I think it's called Urbit, like U-R-B-I-T, but I could be wrong. It just rings a bell vaguely. And they're trying to like build a new web and a new desktop, and it's too complex to get into here. But the premise of it is that the, the web is a total cesspool. It's all spam. It's all junk. It's all scams. It's all bots. It's all hackers. It's all viruses. And only the vast programming power of your whatever your mail client is or your apple or google or whatever is holding down the tide of garbage that is 99% of the web basically that lets you view the web in sort of a sane structured way and so it's kind of, and he was saying like we have to do this again like we thought like the open web this is going to be great but really it's just sort of total crap and one of the premises of of this new paradigm that he had was that it, co- it would cost you $10 or $8 or some amount to have an identity online, like a Twitter account that cost you two bucks. So you couldn't just build like a million spam bots and like everything that some political, you know, and have these fake bots arguing uh, and trolling and destroying, you know, people's threads, that that would actually have a real cost to it. Not so much that if you had a legit account that your $10 to get in would, would matter that much, but just, just that it would deter sort of the mass polluting of the web. And you just see that, like we have a problem and I searched on Twitter also and I found something too. It's like, not that Twitter's perfect, but at least like, and there's a lot of spam on Twitter, but it's less, it's not as bad as the web. If you search for something specific. Yeah. Speaking of Twitter, uh, you see Jack Dorsey, uh, tweeted the other week, um, hashtag stacking sats. So I don't oh, no, well, He's, he's like the OG. Oh, yeah, that's like his only, 
It's like the only thing in his profile actually is Bitcoin, I think, is all, is all he says. But uh, definitely thought of uh, you and I that but um yeah no uh yeah fair, well we, we are here we are talking we got it to work hopefully hopefully a, a, a read you wanted to do a, a kind of a risky run and man if you sit there for an hour and have that not work or horrible i just hate that hate that but um anyway how, how you been man i've been all right you know you're right it's like kind of a holding pattern there's not like anything yeah. new things are starting to open up a little bit here and everybody's sort of getting back to hanging out and i was a little annoyed because one of uh the parents of Heather's friends sort of undersold the extent to which their kid was hanging out with everybody. It was sort of said, I oh, don't know, we haven't really seen many people. We did see this one. She, I don't know, it was a bad communication. It wasn't totally her fault. So Sasha hung out with her first friend in like a month. And then yeah, we found out yeah. later that she had been hanging out with all these other people. And like, I don't really care what people do. I mean, I think people should play it safe if they can. If you have to work or you need the money, that's a different story. But if you're like me and you're fine staying home or you're fine not seeing other people, just wait it out a little bit more. Why not, right? Like, it's not killing you. But, you know, again, if someone needs a job or something, that's a whole different level, and I'm not judging them at all. But you got to give accurate information, basically. About, oh, no, those are two different levels. Yeah. I'm dealing with similar things, and I was going to ask you, you know, what are you telling Sasha? Like, you know, you know what I mean? I mean, there's definitely, you know, I don't want to come across as living in fear, but at the same time, if our lives allow us to easily stay away, when, why not extend it a little bit, like you're saying? But then that's a whole other level if they're hanging out in, uh, under false pretenses. I mean, that's right. So that, that annoyed me a bit. Uh, it was also like a miscommunication. I, I don't get into all the details of it, but the... You know the issue. Why not just see how things shake out a little bit more? And there's some people they're just like running right back into it. Like they're all hanging out, partying. Kids are all hanging out. It's like it's fine. But like again, if you if you if there's like a necessity, that's fine. If it's just because hey, cool, it's over. Let's let's party. I don't know. It seems kind of dumb. Like it, I think it's probably bullshit. Even like it's probably fine. It's just even on the ten percent chance that it's not. Eh, just why not wait a little longer if you can let the experiment play out a little bit more yeah like i've said especially when i have you know an, an older mom right by me too that i see so I, I i see no reason for it to not play extra safe but every, every every person's in a different situation and man you know the cdc has now come out and said that supposedly it's not transmissible through the surface uh, or certainly not as much as it you know previously reported so that's another matter. okay so my gut my gut is that like being outside like sasha was with her friend in the park in the sun outside is like is you're not you're not you're not going to get yeah. it yeah, and outside. going to the beach with people you're not going to get it like pretty much i'm like 90 percent sure but like you know there's 10 percent that's like eh, maybe i'm wrong you know maybe uh and so i'm like all right let's just get some more data let's wait two more weeks and especially now that things are opening up we'll have better data in two weeks are there going to be spikes are there not you know is it is it really not related to that and if it's not then fine let's open the whole thing up but i'm just i just feel like you know it's uh, a precautionary principle where it's not a real man real man you know was already uh you know running around naked and uh having as much consensual contact with others as possible but for me it's just precaution like the stakes are high even if it's not for you it's you know for other people just just wait until the the info is in if you can and like my life as i said like i'm pissed about this whole thing the misinformation the politicization of like medical stuff uh is driving me crazy but it looks like chloroquine is legit with zinc and with some other things. It's that a lot of countries are doing them or it's potentially legit, but you know, it depends what your political party is, whether you believe that, which is just, you know, this is becoming religion. And it's like, because you know, you said this last week, you can find a study to support anything and they can design a study that doesn't include zinc and make it look like this doesn't work. But you know, so it's like, you can, it's like you can, if you can use science and manipulate it to back up whatever you want to say, you're just talking religion now. You're not talking about facts or science. It's whatever tribe you're in. And whether you think this medication works is a tribal signaling. But to me, it's like, well, what are the doctors prescribing? Are they using this all over the world? And yeah, it's just, there's, but because of the, the politicization, there's so much disinformation. And, and I have some doubts. I'm, I have some doubts about the people who are saying, no, it's fine. The outdoors are good. Luckily, I have a couple of people I can trust health wise. Yeah, no, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, uh, do you think Donald Trump is, take, is actually taking it, first of all? Uh, did he yeah. say that he was or not? I, I saw someone report on that. Did, oh, did no, he, he full out says he's been taking it. Oh, the then, last 10 yeah, days. then I believe him. Okay. Yeah, why? Okay. I mean, okay. I mean I mean, he okay. could be lying, but that doesn't seem like something he would okay. lie about, but maybe. Okay. Um, I have like two specific takeout options that I like and 
one of them, they bring the food to me outside and the other people are, you know, a dozen people might be waiting at a counter inside and I'm just choosing the outside one. So like I, I am taking the, I will not be confused with a real man. Uh, let's put it that way. Yeah. But, um, I don't know, but I, at the same time, man, I'm ready for four things to, to open up in sports, uh, sports, NBA is coming to Disney world. You hear about that? I mean, it's going to be interesting. So I'm, I'm certainly, uh, you know, ready and I'm letting my daughter, you know, pop, you know, see more people as, as you are too. But yeah, knowing who they're hanging out with and, and where they've been and all that, uh, that's going to be a whole new part of life that we never dealt with before. It's just, you know, everyone has different beliefs, so it's tough, but like, ideally, like everybody would hang out with one person for like two weeks, see what the numbers are. No numbers are going up expand it you know now the two of you become four of you you know you sort of expand the circle a bit numbers not going up okay just hang out in a group you know of your friends now you know we're not going back to baseball games yet we're not going back to crowded arenas yet but you start to expand it slowly and see see what happens if nothing happens then then you have a green light that's the way you do everything right i mean that's the way anybody does if there's something dangerous you expand into it slowly right yeah yeah that's what it sounds like. Right? It's like, it's like, it's like, an, it's like a wild animal. If there's a dog and it's wild and it's coming there, if you're going to pet it, you're going to like barely pet it the first time. And then you're going to maybe, you know, it's like, or a, wild, a cat that may be a stray. You're not going to go and like rub its belly right away. You're not going to do that. You're going to get bit. You know, you're going to eat, you're going to ease into it. This is like a wild animal. It's like, you're going to ease into your uh, reconnection with it. And if the, if you get, you know, good signs, no, no issues. Then you, then you keep going more. And, and that just seems like basic common sense. Again, if there's no economic urgency where you have to hurry this up. Yeah. And the number, obviously the, the numbers have been wrong throughout, but people I trust, uh, for what it's worth for the most part are suggesting, uh, optimism right now. Like the last couple of weeks actually looks like we're moving in a, in a positive, uh, positive direction for what it's worth. But yeah, weird, weird times for sure. Um, what else? What else you got going on? List uh, so, Pharaoh the controversy. Joe uh, Rogan signing maybe two hundred million dollars to do podcasting. Um, so I'll talk about. I'll talk about stuff. the. I'll talk about the Rogan thing. I was going to say one yeah. thing. Uh, so you remember last week I brought up that uh, some rando like it just ripped our uh, our podcast yes. and gave it a one star. And I said, you know, now would be a good time to give it five stars. Got a lot of like a ton of them now. Like totally buried that. Nice. Check out the reviews. There's like a whole bunch of them. And there's tons of just five-star ones that don't have comments, but there's like six or seven comments on top of that. And it's good. Now we have more current comments. You know, now we appreciate have... That. Yeah, check that. I'll go look yeah, at that. We, appreciate it. People, did that. Thank it was, you. It was, I do appreciate So that. it's like... And, and I don't like to ask for that stuff because A, I don't like to ask. And B, I don't know how important Apple five-star... You know, whatever. I don't know if that even drives anything whatsoever, but... Um, so it was nice, you know. We got that uh, the trolling uh, helped us get uh, better ratings and uh, more recent positive comments. So nice. Now we're waiting for that Spotify offer. So yeah, do you have any thoughts on this? I mean, yeah, the so, rumors are it might even be two hundred million. I mean, that is it's wild, man. It's Joe Rogan. It's crazy. I mean, I was funny. I was just explaining to my sister who used to be a fan. She had no clue that he's like this, you know, podcast monster. And like the next day. I couldn't illustrate my point better. Signs for you know a massive deal to move this stuff over to Spotify. So I've heard a bunch of different takes on this. I think one thing is YouTube is censoring people. They're censoring doctors. They're they just don't want different points of view. They want the official point of view, which is incredibly dangerous for reasons we don't have to explain. And so I kind of feel like that's good. It's like you know if if guys like Rogan and other big draws to YouTube are only available somewhere else, then YouTube will cease to be that relevant after a while. And that's, that's a good thing. On the other hand, Spotify has probably a lot of the same corporate pressures that YouTube does. They're a big centralized, powerful company that depends on shareholders. I, I think Spotify is public, but maybe I'm wrong about that. And they're, they're susceptible to the same pressures. And you know, wait till, you know, Rogan uh, says something that's controversial or, you know, gets Alex Jones on his podcast or whatever. See what happens then. So that's that's the downside. Is he going to be starting to limit himself and censor himself? Yeah, definitely. That's absolutely. If he claims he's not going to be the same thing and it's just the same people involved. Great. But yeah, if that starts changing, then, yeah, that would be well, <clears throat> definitely be 
a problem for for the consumer. I mean, that that is the worry, the main concern, the number one concern. I mean, the commercials and all that, and you have to be a subscriber or not, and all that monopolizing. I don't know. I mean, they they've definitely put their. I mean, this is their bet they've been making. I uh, they just signed you know the Ringer and Simmons uh, the past year as well. So I mean, that's a lot of money. But as someone pointed out, you know, why does everyone think everyone's eyes is so much important, more important than their ears? I mean, it, I, I get it. Podcasts are, are huge. Yeah. No. And, and people trust, I think the guys like Rogan and probably Simmons too, but I don't, I don't think he's nearly that big anymore, but they're trusted. Like nobody, people don't think Joe Rogan is some genius or he knows everything, but I think he's built up a really good brand of somebody uh, who is trying to figure it out. So people look at him and they're like, yeah, he's trying to figure it out. That's why he gets like Elon Musk on and he gets even Alex Jones. He's willing to like listen to that and see what he has to say. He's willing to, he's not telling you what's off limits for your ears or, you know, what you can't listen to. You know, he gets Tulsi Gabbard on. He gets people on that the media just will not expose you to because they, they don't dare let you listen to them. And I think that that's a really strong brand, right? That's like people really respect that. They're like, well, he may be right or wrong, but at least he's earnest. And so uh, when, when you're an advertiser and you want to, I mean, that's like exactly what you want, right? Is you want to advertise with a, a host that people trust, that they're earnest. So when he's reading the reads, right. then you're like, oh, I trust that guy. So that, that to me is, uh, is huge. I mean, that, of course they want Joe Rogan. Well, yeah, and he hits the demographic, too, of what the advertisers are after or the main of people watching him. Bill Simmons has 6 million Twitter followers, and I don't know. I think the Ringer, does, those podcasts are doing pretty well. I mean, I, maybe he's not at his peak or whatever, but I think he's pretty, pretty massive. So many, so many people. He went to ESPN. I think it changed things a little bit. And then he, uh, there's so many people that have imitated his style. And I don't know. I, just, I thought he, he became more of like a producing some of those 30 for 30s and he was good at those but uh, maybe i'm wrong i wouldn't have known in, until the last couple of years i wouldn't have known that rogan was that big either so sometimes you don't no, no, listen simmons, to something right sorry simmons doesn't write anymore maybe that's why you don't come across him but like he gets just like very like uh big biggest actors in the industry because he's affiliated with hbo or whatever so he he's his his podcast yes i think it's pretty pretty massive still okay. but rogan yeah it doesn't get much bigger, but it'll be, I mean, I guess he, uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see how that goes, but it was definitely, uh, big in the news to sign such a massive deal. I mean, it's bigger than Howard Stern, I think. Right. For at the time, but I think Howard Stern owns a ton of stock right? too. So I don't know. I have no idea, but I, I don't know, man. I, I really, ideally it wouldn't be Spotify. It wouldn't be YouTube. It would be an independent thing that they would start or that there'd be, cha- I mean, you have the web, the web is the web, right? It's, it's sort of a, the person to person way of relating. And then we have all these different applications like Twitter or Facebook or YouTube or Spotify on top of it that are designed to make it easy for users to connect. But those are just middlemen. Those are just interfaces. Those are just user interface. It's not like what is this Rogan's content and the listener's ears. Those are the two things. And the, Middleman setup nowadays, the, the programming necessary for that, it, it's not like they shouldn't be taking so much of the money, the intermediary, yeah, right. right? Like right. It, it just doesn't make any sense. And I, ideally, that's why a lot of people are disappointed. They're like, really? Spotify, pay site? Really? No one's, you know, that's going to cut his audience, what, 75%. I'm not going to pay for Spotify. I don't subscribe. I think Heather does, but I'm not going to like log in on her account to listen to a Rogan podcast. Yeah, but I think yeah, I think it's free. I think, but the oh, it is yeah, it's whatever. I think a membership of Spotify is free. There's like a premium version, and I think it'll remain. Oh, he'll be on the free version. All right, you just have to sign up, so they'll have all your info. Right, you know, I guess is very important. So there's another. So there's another thing. So um, that was a cool development. Is the way Bitcoin works is you have a public key and a private key, and your private key signs the transaction, and the funds get transferred from you know your account to whoever else is say you send somebody some Bitcoin and the, they don't, no one knows your private key, obviously, otherwise they could take your money, but the signing shows beyond any doubt mathematically that you are you, that, it, that you used the valid private key that had the Bitcoin 
the signing, you can go from, you can show that from the result that it's definitely your key, but you can't go from the result and trace what the key was, right? It, it just confirms that it's the correct person whose account that is. Mm-hmm. So they're starting to do this now and have a, a way of doing this that's in the works for identity. So normally you go to Spotify, you go to a website and you put in all your info, your personal info, some more than others. But like that sucks. That's the shit that gets hacked all the time, right? Your credit card, your date of birth, your social security number, whatever is in all these websites. And now there's a way to say this is this person, you know, your name or this public address, whatever. This person with the money, just like Bitcoin. The person with the money is who he claims to be based on this result, but we can't go back and claim his private key, who it is. We can't see who it is. We know that it's whoever is attached to this money in this valid account. So this way, you could go online and sign up for an account, pay for something, without giving all your details. Just your public key. Just sort of your public identity key. And they could be, like, maybe they could trace your public identity key. Like, well, this public identity key goes to all these sites or whatever. They could maybe trace that. But it wouldn't be traceable back to the individual details that set it up. So that's kind of a... It takes the whole thing. Like, instead of having your public identity on each site, you have it in your control, and you spit out, like, a token that proves that you are who you are. And and so they just get this token of proof, but they don't get the actual information. Oh, I like it. Yeah, the, the fact of having to have different passwords for every Oh, it's site. horrible. Or keeping How many times you get... Therefore, yeah. yeah, no, it's... it's how, yeah, it's... I, how many times you try to remember your password, you get locked out, and you got to like, ah, fuck. You know, like, you got to pick up the phone. You're like, really? Incredibly. Yeah. That, yeah. Oh, it drives me crazy. Yeah, no, and then my, yeah, the company password, they make, they force you to change every six months yeah. or something. So the years pass, it's, in, it's beyond, maybe it's every three months, and that gets infuriating too. Um, but yeah, I, I, I hear you. Um, so what is, what is, well, that's what I was going to ask you about Bitcoin. Um, so with the, because of that public key information, then, what happens then if you so you're so you're worried about keeping it on a on a pub, on a wallet, right? So uh, if it gets you get hacked, your your cash app, or whatever. What what happens there? It shows oh that's where that Bitcoin was stolen from because it all supposedly every transaction gets is available to be seen, right? So what happens there <laughs> if it's done illegally? Does it still show up on that chain? Yeah. Okay. So uh, give, you got to get more specific. Like, what do you mean hacked? Like somebody. Tricks you into sending. What is the worry about me keeping Bitcoin on, uh, you know, say Cash App? Okay, so there are a couple of worries. One is the Cash App probably has billions of dollars of Bitcoin on it, billions. And I'm sure Jack Dorsey and 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 Square have incredibly smart ways of storing it. But if it's an inside job or something, right? There's so much money there. I mean, there's just so much money there. That it's a honeypot, right? Like, so attackers could compromise someone on the inside, kidnap his kid, whatever, who knows, and get him to get in there. Now, I'm sure it takes multiple signatures and multiple people, and it's very difficult, but there's probably a way. So that's one thing. The, the second thing is, and, you know, you assume squ- square is on the level, but let's say Bitcoin goes from 10,000-ish now to 50 or 100,000, and its market cap is a trillion, and suddenly, you know, Russia buys some Bitcoin, and other countries buy some Bitcoin, and suddenly the U.S. dollar as the world's reserve currency becomes under threat. So the U.S. government, which depends on its a lot of its power on the dollar being the U.S. world currency, starts to freak out, and they want to make it illegal. Well, they can't really make it illegal, because Bitcoin is everywhere in the world, and what are they going to do, like come after each person? There's like tens of millions of people, you know, that have it. So... But what they might do is be like, well, these are the five exchanges that are have most of the Bitcoin, and they can say, Jack Dorsey, you're under arrest unless you, you know, you're destroying the, you know, the American prosperity by having this thing that other hostile enemies are using to compete with the dollar. We're going to seize control of, you know, you better turn this over or we'll arrest you or whatever. They are central centralized, vulnerable actors. And they can be gotten after. Okay, so that's the second thing. And the third one is, let's say the shit really hits the fan. I mean, we're just, you know, okay, it looks like people are coming out. Maybe the economy is bad, but could recover. But let's say, you know, a bank collapses in three weeks. The loans just can't be paid. The damage is too steep. They've been papering it over for a month or two. But the, the shit really goes down. And it has a cascade effect. And literally, like, there's no money in people's bank accounts. And it's... You know, becoming kind of anarchic in a lot of places around the world, 
are you going to call up the bank and say, hey, uh, can you send me that uh, money? Or, you know, all bets are off, right? Like, you're going to count on the guys at these exchanges to so, give so more. Sorry, let me just, you'd rather, to clarify, you'd rather, it's more so for like having control than yes. it is you're worried right. about a hacker coming in and taking well, it. So. No, well, a hacker could get it from you too if you're, if you're not careful. So the, I think there's in some ways more risk of a hack. I mean, you, again, the Square is a honeypot or any of these big companies that hold tons of Bitcoin are honeypots for hackers much more than you are, but at the same time, they have way better security than you do. And then secondly, yeah, there's the idea that if it's not, they say not your keys, not your Bitcoin. It's like you have an account with the company that's holding the Bitcoin. It's just like the U.S. dollar, right? Like if, if, if your bank's like, listen, I don't like some of the podcast stuff you've been talking about. We're going to freeze your accounts. It's not your money anymore. Your account's frozen. It's not yours to, mm-hmm. to do. What if you want to take out more than ten grand in cash? You can't just do that. Right. Yeah, I was going to ask that next. Right. Yeah. Like, like you're, you're, it, yeah. you know, it's not in banking hours. You know, it's like it, you, you sort of you bank at the, uh, you know, at, at the whim of your bank, at the whim of the government. If, if they want to print ten times more money, just like imagine we talked about this. Like you own a hundred shares of stock in a company that has a thousand shares, so you own ten percent of the company, and then the the management of the company wants to give out another thousand shares to their buddies. Well, now you own 5% of the stock and there's nothing you could, you know, you could, you could sue them if they did that because you can't just issue stock. I mean, depending on the arrangement, but you know, they would just be diluting you. Well, what do you think happens when they print more money and you have X amount of money that you've earned and they print a bunch of it and give it away to the bankers and the people who are taking high risk bets that are going to go under if they don't, well, they've just diluted you so they can dilute you through inflation, through printing, they can freeze your accounts. They can tell you when and how you can use the money. Visa or PayPal can not let you transact on their platforms. You know, Bitcoin, when you possess your Bitcoin, is, is the only one that's permissionless. It doesn't know who you are. It doesn't know what gender you are. It doesn't know what race you are. It doesn't know what country you're from. It doesn't, it, it's, it's a neutral money for, that anybody can use. I have to say that aspect is pretty cool, and correct me if I'm wrong, but just the how openness of it, of that transaction chain that it shows. Does anyone watch? Oh, someone just did something 90 grand worth, right? I mean, it's pretty, right? That's, that's, it's viewable as it's happening, right? It's viewable. Uh, it also makes privacy an issue. There's things called coin join, which I don't totally understand, but I guess you can batch transactions together and mix them together so that, like, you get mixed with 10 other people, so they don't know, like, which, they can see the addresses involved, I guess, but they don't know how much went to which. It's too, it's all mixed up. That helps, I guess. But yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, it is on the blockchain. It is like a perfect trail of it got sent from this address to that address. That you should obviously use different addresses every time. The wallets will generate different addresses every, you know, most of the main ones every time you send some or receive some. So that's good. But yeah, it's easily traceable, which means it's easily trackable if someone steals it. But that's imagine what I was thinking that's yeah. why I had these questions. You brought it up, and I was like, ah, I was actually meant to ask you exactly that. Yeah, but think about it. Like somebody hits you over the head. The wrench forces you to give up your your password, send them, yeah. you know, three Bitcoin, whatever. And then you're like, they're the guys who stole it, you know? And you're like, well, where did you send it to? Well, it's an account in some jurisdiction with which we don't have an extradition treaty. It's some I don't I don't know all the you know. Yeah, once it's, it's gone, good luck getting it back. Yeah. yeah. Somewhere in Syria they've got it, somewhere in Russia, somewhere what are you gonna do? Like call the police? Like what are they gonna do? So that's yeah, I, I still think it's a concern. I'll, all right, man. Uh, do you have anything else in your mind? I like some of your drafts you guys have been doing. Um, one that jumped out was the one hit wonders. I appreciated that one. You uh, did you forget about Buster Douglas? Did he end up going? Was it Jeff? Yeah, I forgot. I forgot about him. I forgot about boxing. But yeah, that was yeah, obviously forty two to one odds. Man, I, I always like, I know like the older generation was where you were when JFK was assassinated. I'd say like nine eleven, and I remember where Tyson was. I those like the things. It's like you barely even remember that. That's crazy, man. The Tyson. No, I, I remember. I remembered. I watched the fight. I. It, I just, it wasn't one of like the seminal moments of my life for me, yeah, you know, it was yeah, when Thurman, right. Thurman Munson died in a plane crash. Yeah. I think I was eight. It was in the summer of 1979. I want to say, uh, it might've been 1980. It might've been nine. It was, it was one of those two summers. And I remember being at the baseball field in Salt Air Fire Island and I was getting off. I was like putting my bike in the bike rack and someone's like, do you hear Thurman Munson died in a plane crash? And I was like, yeah. it was, it was just like, I couldn't even believe it. Like it was, and I was a huge Yankee fan. It was just, it was just blew my mind. It was beyond comprehension that that could happen. You know, that was, that was one. Right, right. I remember John Belushi died. That was kind of a crazy thing. Yeah. John Lennon was a big one. 
This is all before oh, yeah. your time. And then right. uh, I mean, John Lennon was shot to death. Yeah, no, that had it wasn't a car accident. He was shot right, you know, right. right on the street, I think, in front of his apartment. And then uh, obviously 9-11 was the craziest. And then, yeah, the Tyson fight is, is nothing. Bonzi Wells, I appreciated you bringing up uh, years ago. I, I, had, I had to look it up because it was, he played in Sacramento one season 15 years ago. He's pulling out of the parking lot when I was pulling in. Um, and he gave a peace sign, and I claimed it was definitely to me. I claimed it. Uh-huh. I, I appreciated the Bonzi Wells uh, call that was just totally random. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I love your guys' drafts. Keep keep up the good work on that. And uh, you wrote about Frank Gore. Do you want to talk about that column, You uh, your love for Frank Gore? Yeah, your but who, compiler. Yes. Uh, who's better, though, Bonzi or Beanie Wells? Which Wells was better? Yeah. Oh, that's uh, that's a tough one. Uh, oh, bon- give me Bonzi. Right. Yeah, I think so. To the headband. Yeah, Beanie so, Wells killed me, actually. I kept drafting <laughs> that guy. Screw Yeah, you love Beanie Wells. Yeah, so I was just talking about Frank Gore. I was thinking about it uh, that, yeah, okay, he had two ACL injuries and he's had this crazy career, but it really is much crazier if you. I just try, I want to just put it in perspective. And he came in the league two years before Maurice Jones Drew came in the league, three years before, I believe, Matt, Matt Forte came into the league. Uh, he. Came in the league five years before Javid Best came in the league. Remember Javid Best? Oh, yeah. Five years, now. right? And, you know, he, in 2012, uh, you know, Andrew Luck went 1-1 and Trent Richardson went 1-3. And, you know, Gore's outlasted both those guys. And I'll give you the equivalent right now. If uh, Dalvin Cook were to be active in 2032, that would be like Gore longevity. Or if Melvin oh. Gordon were active in 2030, uh, or imagine Le'Veon Bell's career outlasting Joe Burrow's. That's because when Luck was drafted, that you know Gore was as deep in as Le'Veon Bell is now. So this is just insane stuff. Lev Bell's going to outlast Joe Burrow. Melvin Gordon's going to be ready at twenty thirty. Dalvin Cook twenty thirty two. This is just impossible. And because of the analytics and devaluation of running backs and. Um, just the way rookie contracts are. I, I think Gore is the last of these guys. I don't think there's ever going to be another one. Yeah, well, especially if you look back at the list, you see how rare it, obviously he might be the only, but just crazy because he also had two knee surgeries in Miami in college, not one, but two, and he kept suffering these ankle problems early in San Francisco. He was like a durability was a question mark. Then he suddenly becomes the ultimate uh, durable running back at his age, such a good blocker in his prime as well, an all-around back student of the game. So I think I just well, – I don't want to overpraise him because we're doing over – He over... was top 15 in games of 100 yards from scrimmage too, but I I guess that's more of a that is a compiler stat in a way but still that's still impressive i mean he, you know he's having some big he's not just totally doing it with top 15 yards. he's top three in carries i mean it's, he should yeah. be top 15 and also so he's not doing well on that oh. front and uh, yeah I, i'm not a fan of frank gore per se but it's just you know this is kind of crazy i mean here's here's a couple other guys Darren McFadden, Jonathan Stewart, Felix Jones, Rashard Mendenhall, and Chris Johnson, Ray Rice, Jamal Charles, Matt Forte were drafted three years after Gore got in the league. Gore had like three, like 250 yard, you know, 250 carry seasons before Chris Johnson even got into the league or Matt Forte. It's just insane. It's, it's unbelievable. Like the other guy who was drafted in his class was Darren Sproles, who, you know, lasted almost as long as him. But, you know, Sproles is a low workload pass catcher. It's not even remotely the same thing. Watch Gore outproduce Bell this year. And he's still alive is the thing, too. He's still playing. That's what I mean. He's still active. Dude, <laughs> yeah. Dalvin Cook in 2032. I mean, it's just, it's just like there's no chance that that dude is a running back in 2032. There's just no way. Yeah. No, insane. Um, all right. People are still giving me hard, uh, still calling me names for my Brady column, uh, Kabaka, you know him. He told me that a, a million minutes were spent on that the first two days. And people are, like I said, I even talked about it last week. People found me in my personal, like uh, Instagram and all kinds of stuff. It's just, it's, it's, it's a great spot to be. Uh, let me tell you. And, uh, then I, I, I decided to post, uh, do another article this week where I, I did, we did a best ball draft and they did a poll afterwards and they pulled, uh, between five of us, like me, Harmon, Liz, and, and Barons, uh, and, and P and L, and I, my, my, who had the best team, and I got four percent. 
Not among like 12 people in a draft, but right. just five people. I got 4%. I mean, like as Andy pointed out, you could just accidentally get 4%. So, you know, I thought that was pretty funny. So I wrote a column all about that. And, uh, and it was, do you think it was related? Like they were so pissed at you for Brady that they just like, Oh no, 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 no. I just think people are so off on their, uh, I don't know. I don't, I just get it. People just know it makes sense because my rankings are off the ADP and I guess just the general consensus right now, I guess. But according to that draft we're talking about, I have uh, four, my first four players are in my overall top 20. So like, I think it's like the most loaded team. So it's like, it's funny that the, the general consensus is the worst when in my mind it's like, Oh, the clear favorite. So I wrote an obnoxious column to saying how, how everyone is wrong. But, um, so I'll check it out. Called an idiot. Well, oh. but, um, good times. And what, speaking of, of, of getting to pub, Jeff Erickson wrote a wire, on ESPN, forget my little column appearing on the, the that was I actually recorded it and uh, watched it. Uh, he had to stay up, I think, four a.m. his time, but that was pretty cool, man. For Roto Wire, yeah, he did well. We we used to do ESPN all the time, but not during yeah. a live broadcast. He was like on during the broadcast. But he he was he was sharp, man. It was a good segment. I thought I was like impressed. It was good. No, totally. I was too. He came up really well. And yeah, I remember. The, I think it was Michael Kim segments. You even appeared on ESPN News back in the day. Every now and then, we used to, we used to do those. Yeah, like once or twice a week, or maybe we did it every other week. For I don't know, we did it pretty regularly, and it was fun. But again, that was like ESPN two or ESPN News, uh, and it was never like during the broadcast. Right, and so it was kind of cool. And uh, surprised how much he actually knew about KBO. I was like, oh, he actually did some. He's actually been doing some work. Um, I couldn't believe it. So uh, a couple of things I, I had. Um, first of all, you know, speaking of those drafts, our, the one we got the most response for ever was the goons one that we did with you last week. The nice. goons, people love nice. that. Do you see how many people were like weighing in with different goons? They're like based on some Spurs brawl. Steven Jackson should have been should have been involved. Yes. I did. Yeah. And I forgot to even talk about this on this pod because we recorded that like directly after, right after. the podcast. Yeah. I forgot. We haven't talked about that. Yes. I dominated that. What am I, <laughs> I need to go look that up. I absolutely dom. Not only did I get Oakley at pick number one, who slapped Barkley that I confirmed and, and, and Tyrone Hill and m- numerous people. But, um, then you let me get, uh, who, who did I get at the wheel? I got, uh, Aaron Hernandez and Ray Lewis. I mean, it was just a blowout. I, you know, I, I felt underappreciated for my Shaq pick. I mean, Shaq seems like a nice guy. You cannot fight Peak Shack. If Peak Shack's coming after you, do you know how strong Peak Shack was? It doesn't matter if you're like a badass. Like I have Steve Smith, who would also beat the crap out of any of your guys oh, yeah. easily. Yeah, I debated him with the number one pick. Right. I him. mean, right. yeah, I and like, yeah. what a hard ass that dude is. But that dude could not fight Shack. I mean, come on. He would just like he could just take he just take your head and like pull it right off your trunk and just toss it. You know, it would just be like be like fighting the mountain or something. You know, in in Game of Thrones, it's just you can't fight that guy with your fist. I mean, his fist is like the size of your head. You can't. I, I tried to fight my friend who was six four, two fifty, like mostly muscle. He was recruited for UCLA football. Ended up playing at Dartmouth, but he was like he wanted he preferred to party and do hallucinogens, so he never really took it that seriously. But I tried to like wrestle and fight that dude. I was pretty strong. I was a wrestler. It's just, it was too strong. Like, I just couldn't really fight him, you know? I had him, like, flipped over once, but I couldn't quite. It's like, he was just too strong. It was like fighting a non-human, you know? It was like, it's not like wrestling with a friend of yours. It's like wrestling with a, a different, it's like being a kid and wrestling with a man. You know, you can't, you just don't have, dude, 6'4", 250, like NFL size. If he had lifted, he would have easily been, like, NFL defensive end size. You can't fight someone like that. And Shaq is that to all those guys that we had on the list. Massive. There's no question. I didn't know what I was doing in the NHL, but I really liked MLB because I don't think I get Ty Cobb, who's literally you know sharpening his spikes, right. watching the players walk in. He's gonna put those in their thighs later in the base pads. But Runit Odul, yeah, man, that right cross on Batista was it's so yeah. good. But, but Steve that was Smith, fun when it was Steve Smith, let's you. kick his ass. Steve Smith, Greg Hardy was good too. I mean, you, Greg yeah, Hardy, you know, Anthony he, Mason. So nobody wants to say anything nice about Greg Hardy for obvious reasons. But the point is that dude's a professional MMA guy and an NFL defensive lineman. I mean, come on, you can't fight that guy. Yeah, and incognito. You went with the incognito, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. He was bullying other offensive linemen. He was bullying other three hundred pound men in the NFL. So you know, that just shows you he's yeah. like Oakley sla- slapping Barkley. For sure. No, we had some good honorable mentions, and yeah, as you said, a lot of uh, a lot of good uh, discussion uh, promoted. But that was a that was a good call on that one. Glad that you, you came up with a good one, a good one for me to be on. All right. So there's one of the so, what's, what's going on. What's, what else? So the other things, the, I had two other uh, topics. One was. There's a lot of authoritarianism kind of creeping in to society, you know, the people getting arrested for not wearing masks. I mean, again, whenever I think about what you should do or what I'd prefer to do, 
I, I totally think it's voluntary. Like it, the state does not have the right. The governor's not your boss. The governor directs, has control over funds, has control over budget, has various powers, but he doesn't have the power to take away your right to walk down the street without a mask. They can recommend it. Again, like that's the, the police coming and arresting and beating on people. That's way out of control. Terrible. Um, these smart cities that like Eric Schmidt of Google is doing with uh, Andrew Cuomo, like in New York and all this stuff. This stuff is dystopian Black Mirror stuff. But I, I started thinking about it. I, they're desperate. It's like the more they start to hardcore encroach on liberties, the more it's because their control is falling away and they know it. It's more uh, our institutions are losing respect. The government is losing respect. The financial institutions are losing respect. The Federal Reserve is printing money. It's not doing it in any way that is remotely fair to people. Uh, it's it's destroying the signal of money as uh, representing uh, value, and uh, and it's dangerous. And but at the same time, and so we're in a sort of a perilous time. And it's important that we reject authoritarianism, and go toward freedom and a good society that's built on solid foundations. But a silver lining of this, it's sort of like this goes together, right? We couldn't get out of our bullshit society and economy without this happening. This is a natural outgrowth of that crumbling. Overreach is, is, part, of the, is part of the playbook. And so it's just something that uh, I want to put out there that it seems kind of dystopian, but it's also the prerequisite for getting to a better place. So I'm not super far from Atwater. Have you read about the the small city in California, which has declared itself a sanctuary from all the uh, the rest? Basically, just we're not gonna we're not gonna take any orders from the governor or whatever. So they uh, yeah they're going the opposite route. So they're not they're definitely I mean, not going the. the yeah. If you think somebody's an idiot or you don't respect them, and they say okay draft uh, this player in the second round, if you're like no that guy said it, I'm gonna do the opposite then you're also a sucker because you are letting that person's dumbass opinion dictate what you're going to do. What you should do is just mute them and not even know what they think and then make your own decision, right? Uh, so that's a pretty it, good answer, man. Yeah, that's so, a really good answer. So if you're like, the governor tells me to wear a mask, so I'm not going to wear a mask. Why don't you just decide based on the evidence for yourself whether you want to do that or not? Bingo. And, and don't worry about what the governor's doing. The same thing with medicine. Oh, you don't like the president? That's fine. Don't take or not take or advocate for taking or not taking a medicine because the president said so. Just ignore it. Just do your own research. You're, you, you shouldn't be. If your reason for evaluating evidence is to dunk on a particular person, you're dunking on yourself because you uh, are now dictated. Your opinion is dictated by that person, even if it's the opposite. You're just being dictated to by somebody you don't like or respect. So you should just mute, make up your own decision, make up your own mind, do your own research. So that's pretty much true of everything, but it's, uh, so some of those, you know, I, I reject the governor's authority to take away anyone's rights. The constitution isn't, it's not a conditional thing, but it doesn't mean I'm going to do the opposite of what that guy says either. Yeah, I know. That's a great point. And uh, far too often you, you do see people doing that and then you're making that effect. Letting others affect you in that way. Um, yeah, I'm with you, man. So, uh, all right, you probably got to go to the XM show soon, I, I'm guessing. I got two other things. So, I love it. One, there's this dude, I would say to follow this guy. So, you know, there's like James Woods, right? You've seen his, uh, his dealing with trolls, A+. plus. I, I, I pride myself in my dealing with trolls, but this dude is taking it to another level. I know you've seen some of the... Uh, uh, I, I am now regularly reading his Twitter feed, right. I'll admit it. I'll, I'm not joking. I, yeah. yeah I, so every, so that, that dude dispenses with trolls uh, the way I would if I didn't have any partners at Rotowire, probably, and uh, didn't have business... Bu- the block. Yeah. Well, yeah, but the things he says, like, if I didn't have, you know, business dealings with people that I'd probably get in trouble for saying some of the stuff he does. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then... And then there's this other guy I follow. It's Kapil Gupta, and he's this. I guess he's a uh, an executive slash athletic performance coach of sorts. That's his like how he makes money. But he's like I think I think he's the real deal. And when I say real deal, I mean like an enlightened being. And I don't mean that like oh he's enlightened like he's very woke or something. No no no. I mean most people probably who aren't religious don't even understand what this even is but like an awakened human person, okay? Like there's not many. And I have met one before, one in my life before. And, and it reminds me of the other guy. Now, I don't know for sure because someone, it's hard to fake if you're familiar with that kind of stuff. If you've 
seen so many fakers. It's hard to fake and, and pass it off for somebody who's got a keen eye for it. So, but I'm not saying it's impossible, but I think he's the real deal. And on Twitter, like he'll, he'll, he'll say like, you may ask if you wish. And he just like dispenses with people, but it's not like mean spirited. It's not the James Woods, but it's just like, I don't know. He just, there's just no bullshit at all with this dude. Oh, I'll be checking this out. Okay. 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 All right. I'll check. And, it I mean, it's sure. just funny. And he'll, you know, just check out his feed. Like it was the things okay. he says, and it is not the common like, Oh, do this and work out and you'll be healthier and happier and eat these foods. It is the anti that he's not saying he eats shitty foods. He's just not, he's just saying all of that kind of shit is bullshit. It's some deep stuff. Well, I, I'll talk more about some of the stuff he said. Like there's, okay. he said a couple things like I, I'm paraphrasing. I could get this wrong. But he said something to the effect of the, the greatest player in the world and just some regular pro. It's not a difference of who works harder. It's not hard work. Like everybody works hard. It's just the guy who wants to be the best in the world. The guy who's the best in the world wants to be the best in the world. And the guy who's a pro who says he wants to be in the best in the world, if you look what he does day to day in terms of his attitude and everything, he doesn't want to be the best in the world. It's just not his life's mission. And the difference between like Michael Jordan and Tom Brady versus like just some pro who's just as athletic and works really hard and lifts weights and does a lot of stuff. They're not the same. They're like what they actually want. Those dudes like really want to be that. They really want to be that. Most people think they want that, but if you you're like, oh, I want to get more listeners for my podcast, or I want to, you know, make money, or I want to do whatever. But what are you actually doing? What you're doing is what you actually want. It's not the thing you say or the thing that most people think you should want. It's insightful and it's very no bullshit and it's kind of entertaining with how no bullshit is. And I think he's the real deal. The one dude I, okay, I'll I, check him out. I the one dude I met in my life that was like that. I was in my twenties. Yes, 20s. yes. I should have circled back there. Explain. There's this Buddhist monk uh, who was a friend of my college roommates uh, who was Korean. He's a Korean Buddhist monk. And I went to see him, and he was uh, like outside of D.C., so I drove with my friend. And we went on the wrong day, and he was like, sorry, you know, come back tomorrow. Because he's like, I guess Saturday was like the Korean day. People were at the Koreans in the community went, and then Sunday he saw like randoms like us. But he started closing the door and we were like real nervous. So you, 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 I should back up. You park in this lot. It was this giant farm or whatever. And you get off and you walk down to like the main building and like, you could feel it in the air, his presence. I mean, you felt like this incredible, like so intense, like emotion. You felt like emotional getting out of the car. It was just so intense. And then when we knocked on the door and he said, no, come back. We were like destroyed. We drove like four hours and we were like nervous, but I had to like knock on the door again. I was like, listen, you know, we drove four hours and he was like, okay, come in. So like all of a sudden on the other side, there's this giant feast of like every possible food, fruit and vegetables and meat and dishes mm-hmm. of all these Korean dishes. So, and it's all Koreans and us, me and my friend. And so we just like ate a bunch of shit and waited, you know, like we're like, it's random. And then finally, like he'd be like in his room meditating in his like little space and we'd call people in and he finally called us in. And again, the guy just starts, you know, he's like, and I was like in college, you know, we were, we were maybe just finished, or I was still in college, I guess. And he was like, uh, you know, we're like, yeah, I don't know what to do. You know, maybe I want to be a writer, but I don't really know if I can make money. And he's listening to us and he's like, business and law. He's like, you don't want to be pumping gas, business and law. He just says it just like that. Right. <laughs> and, and then starts laughing. And we're like, well, no, I thought you were going to tell me to like, you know, cause your image of those dudes is like, no, be, be a creative right, person. Like, you know, right, no, right. no, 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 no. He's like, I was an engineer. I was trained to be an engineer, but now I'm a monk, you know, or whatever. And he starts laughing. He's like, I should have been an engineer. And he starts laughing. And he says to my friend, he says, stop smoking marijuana to my friend. He doesn't even smoke that much weed either. But he said that to him. My friend's like, what? Like, so anyway, but it's just, it's not what he said so much as just like no bullshit right to the point no even like yeah but he didn't say fantasy sports writer was your path so no he missed yeah he did he didn't i don't think it existed it was like this is 1992 anyway that dude was the real thing and you know so i was <laughs> I, I i talked about this but i was into buddhism for a while and i mean not not like the religion so much as like the the practice you know the, the meditating and stuff and my friend and I, we went to this like New York, same friend, went to this New York Zendo and meditated for the whole day or two. There was like a thing you could do on the weekend. And there was like the dude who was the head of it and he had this robe on, you had like a meeting with him and he would like ask you a question or whatever. And like, I never once got any vibe from any of those weirdos there ever. They had nothing. It was no, there was no, there were just people. Not that there's anything wrong with that. They're practicing, whatever. But I'm saying there was, it was like a 
night and day obvious difference between like you can put on a robe or you can say you're you know roshi whatever or whatever the title you have is but it doesn't mean shit the real dude the real deal is the real deal like the real dude is the real dude. anyway i think this dude guy's name is kapil gupta strikes me as the real like the real thing but then again you go he goes this paid podcast is for special whatever and you click on it and it's 500 bucks for like a nine minute podcast so i start laughing i'm like seriously is the 500 bucks for a nine minute podcast you go, and he says you may pledge to be in like the the serious the serious whatever program that i do Whoa. only three percent are accepted must be a six-figure pledge and i start laughing like dude are you serious <laughs> i like a hundred something k to be in this thing to apply but you know obviously enlightenment is priceless man you know if, if he can help you if you're super rich or something but it just it cracks me up so i don't know so maybe it's bull it could be most people would say that's bullshit but i'm telling you the way this dude interacts and you can like you know he has some free ones and you can listen to him and and, and his uh, site is not bullshit from what I can tell and again I'm not like the world expert in this but I am somewhat like I am a good judge of it maybe not the, again the best but I'm a pretty good judge of it I think this dude is the real deal so I'd recommend following him and sold sold yeah so anyway that's all I got for you man. I thought you had one more okay I thought you had two more well that was it well I had another thing but I'll say oh, I'll really quickly um, this one guy Ben Hunt who annoys me a lot but. He has a lot of good points. Um, he's been saying this. And I think this is true. The stock market, which is now up again today, I still think it's going to crash, but I could be wrong about this. He thinks the stock market has now been turned into a utility, right? Like all hell would break loose if like the power stopped, right? Or the water stopped, like water power. Everybody just needs water and power on demand. And that's just how society's structured, right? I mean, and he says basically that the stock market is now a utility that provides people with equities, uh, free income for doing nothing. It's like a socialist, it's like a social security check or something for people with equities. And so the Fed just cannot let it drop. It will do anything it can. Now the question of whether the Fed has the power to keep it up indefinitely is that's where I, you know, I would differ. I would say, I, I don't know if they can, but that, you know, you'd say, why don't you just take their medicine? It's capitalism. Like people took risk, like just live with it. We'll sort it out at the bottom and new owners will buy the bankrupt companies. We'll, you know, take our medicine and get this economy moving on a real basis again. But, but his view, and I think it's true again, I, I don't know how much power the Fed has. I think that's where I would differ. Uh, that the stock market is a utility. They will do whatever they can to keep that thing propped up and not crash because, it's just rich people just uh, depend on that thing. And not even just rich people, the pension funds, people, you know, working class people's pensions are tied up in that thing. Everybody's stuck on it. There's no yield from bonds. Bonds are going negative in the UK. There's no yield. You need the stock market. Otherwise, we're all screwed. And it's fake. But they will do whatever they can, including destroy everything to prop this up because it's a utility. And I thought that was an excellent point. Yeah, it does make sense. Um, all right, man. Good time. Glad to hopefully made this recorder. Hopefully recorded. Um, yeah, I think we did. My my random things. And I know you're not a, a we're a Jordan fan, but the Last Dance aired his final two episodes. Uh, crazy story behind that flu game, and then the guy coming out, a pizza delivery guy, was interviewed, and he swears he did it by himself, and he made it himself, and everything was fine. So I like the story of him reportedly uh, partying at Robert Redford's chateau the night before. But anyway, I'm I'm right. I know the criticism for the Last Dance. He didn't learn anything new and all that, and it was a Jordan production. But a propaganda. I was film. in the right age group, man, and that was just the music and, and reliving that was was pretty awesome. Awesome. And then also I, I actually watched the movie Contagion for the first time, uh, Soderbergh, and uh, just because everyone has during this time. And that was actually pretty good, that one had slipped through the cracks. But uh, that's all I got, Liz. Um, good stuff. Good talking to you, man. And, and hope, I got, hope, hope everything's going well with you. I got one book recommendation. Uh, it's a book called Exhalation by uh, Ted Chiang, science fiction writer, short stories. And they're really good. Dude is a really good writer. And I, uh, I enjoyed them. So recommend that. Cool. Good stuff, man. All right, man. Take it easy, Don. Little less.